All right, before I get to my next guest, Travis Fulton, I want to give a shout-out to a few of our sponsors. First, folks, you've been hearing me talk about Club-Up sensors over the last several months, right? Best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out on the market. Other shot trackers are out there telling you what happened. Clubhub's going to tell you what happened and why. So take the progress that you make over on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. Again, I have Clubhub sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, since I put the Clubhub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing golf. Because not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards end of the green, but after you're on, you can go back and you can look at the images and the layout of every hole in the course that you just played and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. Another GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review you around the way the Club Hub app does. It's available for Androids or iPhones, and the app keeps track of your swing speed, again, of every club in your bag, your tempo, your angle of attack, plus you get a 3D view of your swing as well. And again, no other rangefinder can do all of that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com and order your set of Club Hub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT to get 10% off on all products at checkout. Again, clubhubgolf.com, enter the coupon code NEXT, and you're going to get the, just, the best GPS swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price, and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. And, folks, I've got to tell you how excited I am about a new weapon I have in my golf bag. For the last few weeks, I, you know, I've got the new M4 driver from TaylorMade. And now, you know, if you haven't tried the new Twist Face technology, you're missing out. I don't know about you, but I don't hit it in the center of the face every swing, right? Every time. After studying hundreds of thousands of swings from pros and amateurs like us, TaylorMade designed their new drivers to help protect our miss hits, right, and give us straighter distance. So whether you, your miss is on the low heel or the high toe, Twist Face helps bring the ball back to center, keeping the distance that we want and finding the fairway more often. I'm hitting more fairways than I ever have, and the driver is also the choice of some pretty good golfers you might recognize, right? Twist Face is played by Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, John Robb, and Justin Rose, to name a few, and they're dominating the top ten on tour. So if you haven't tried Twist Face, go hit it and get fit. It's in the new M3 and M4 drivers only from TaylorMade. And, folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, and now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of the top instructors in our game, and that's Travis Fulton. Let me remind you about Travis's background. He was raised in Kellogg, Idaho. He played three years of college golf at Lewis and Clark State College, which is an NAIA school up in Lewiston, Idaho. He won the Pacific Northwest Athletic Conference Championship his junior year at Bryden Canyon Golf Course, firing a final round 66 to win by a stroke. There he also holds the course record of 61. Travis is now the lead instructor at Pablo Creek uh, Golf Club and Jacksonville Golf and Country Club, as well as Victoria National in Evansville, Indiana. He's been a contributing writer to PGATour.com and Golf Illustrated. He's been named a Top 40 Under 40 instructor by Golf Digest and Best Teacher in the State of Florida. He's a regular co-host on Golf Channel's Morning Drive. He's worked with pros like Fred Funk and Led Matisse out on tour, and I'm delighted. He is back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Travis. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris. Always good to be back. Thanks for having me. So, Travis, before we get into, you know, golf tips and some instructional things and uh, opportunities for us to improve our game, I want to get your thoughts 
on the U.S. Open. I'm, I'm curious to get, you know, what are you expecting? What do you think we're going to see coming up this week at Shinnecock Hills? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I think we're going to, we're going to see, I think, a step back in the right direction for the USGA, uh, at least I'm hoping on uh, what the U.S. Open is and should be, you know, all about, which is, you know, a big ballpark. Uh, we're going to see a, a, a golf course that's going to be running and playing quick through the fairways, although they're going to get some rain um, tomorrow. I expect that uh, they can still dry that out and get the ball bouncing. We're going to see some rough, and um, I think we're going to see a terrific, you know, major championship here with uh, the young guns, you know, coming up to the surface now over the last uh, few years and and uh, this resurgence of Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson's game, which uh, is still very competitive and, of course, trying to com- complete the career Grand Slam. So I think we're set up for a good one here. I hope the, uh, the USGA kind of stays out of the way a little bit and just lets, you know, Shinnecock be itself and uh, and let these great players go to work. So, Travis, from what we've seen so far about the course layup and how it's being set up, what kind of player do you think the course is set up for? Is, is it going to be a, a bomber's course? Is it going to be a, you know, whoever has the best short game is going to win? What do you think, you know, the best attributes from a player is going to need to be in order to win uh, come Sunday night? Well, it's interesting. You know, I'm, I'm listening to some of the interviews today. Uh, Brooks Kepka, who, of course, won the U.S. Open last year at Aaron Hills. You know, he, he feels like it's going to be a bit of a second shot golf course. We're kind of hearing that. Uh, but this is a big course. You know, Shinnecock uh, is going to play probably close to 7,400 yards. So, you know, I think it, it's going to be a cut from what we see, um, you know, primarily on the PGA Tour, Chris, which it's kind of favored towards the bigger hit, the bigger hitter. So, uh, I think uh, distance for sure is going to play an advantage here. Um, you know, when you can hit it out there like a Dustin Johnson, like a Justin Thomas and carry it 315 yards and then the ball releases another 30 to 40, that's a huge advantage. And it's a big advantage um, when you have that kind of speed out of the rough as well. So uh, we know the short game is going to play a role. We, we know you're going to have to get the ball up and down. Um, we know you're going to have to make some putts. Those things are given. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, when, when, when the chips fall, it still, I think, is going to favor the player who can get it out there consistently over that 315, 320 mark. So we look at a guy like Phil, right? And I think he, he is a, a sentimental favorite for so many of us, right? We, we want to see Phil get the grand slam. We want to see him play well. We've seen him win earlier this year. You look back at last weekend, Phil had a, had a couple of nice, you know, bookend rounds, 66-65 uh, in Memphis. Can this, be the, can this be the year that he finally slays the dragon? Can he get a win this year, Travis, and, and complete the career grand slam? Well, I think, you know, you're not going to put it past him. I think um, I think the odds are against him. I mean, he's 47 years of age, so the odds are against him for sure. Um, but, you know, Phil knows how to win, right? I mean, he's won 43 times. Um, he's got, uh, you know, he's got a handful of major championships. He's been close in the U.S. Open. We know his game uh, is suited for a U.S. Open. He knows how to get around these difficult golf courses, finishing second six times. So I, I wouldn't put it past him. It just takes four solid rounds um, for Phil. Can he can he keep the ball in play in front of him um, with the driver? Can he can continue? 
um, the excellent you know, ball striking that we've seen from his iron game. We've seen uh, a little bit of a boost in that and the work that he's put in with uh, Andrew Getson. And Kenny can continue to putt well. So, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, it would be a heck of a story, right? I mean, for Phil Mickelson, uh, the second best player, you know, of the last, you know, certainly of the Tiger Woods era, um, it, it would be a terrific story to see him come out and, and complete the Grand Slam. I'm for sure uh, the sentimental favorite. Travis, I want to get your thoughts on one of the holes that I find most intriguing out at Shinnecock, and it's the, the par 3 11th hole. Only 160 yards. It's uphill to a crown green. Lee Trevino called it the shortest par 5 in golf. You know, and oh, by the way, out there, right, you know, the wind can come from any which direction. So when you're standing on a tee like that, right, you're looking at an uphill par 3, 160 yards. You can barely sort of see the top of the flag. You know you've got a bowl green. How do you approach that shot? You know, I think those are the types of shots. You know, those are the blind tee shots, right? And you know it's difficult. And I think that's where you really have to know what your distance is. And you've had to demonstrate to yourself a number of times that this is how far I can carry an 8-iron, right? Or for some players, uh, it might be a 9-iron. And for an amateur player who's playing a similar hole, it might be a 7-iron. Whatever the case may be, you know, we we have to to be, you know, relatively dialed in on on how far we're carrying the irons. And, of course, these tour players know, right? They know within a yard um, when things are on a flat carry type of situation, how far that ball is going to carry. Now, when it's uphill, they have to factor some of those things in as well, but they're able to do that with their caddy. So I think you have to you have to really trust the distance. I think you have to trust your sight lines, and that's when you have to make an aggressive swing, you know, really at a line where you can't see the bottom of the flag stick. And that can be challenging, but that's where knowing your distances and, and certainly committing to the shot and making an aggressive swing comes into play. And Travis, we we've heard that you know the fairways narrow, right? You get some wider fairways if you're a shorter hitter, but as you get out to the 280, 290, 300 yard mark, the fairways are going to start to get you know more narrow. You're going to have higher rough on either side of those. So if if you end up finding yourself in the rough, like we know the U.S. Open likes to create, how do you get out? Is that is it a is it a explosion shot that you're trying to hit? How what's your advice if if you know one of us were playing or you were talking to a player and they find themselves out in the thicker rough? How do you get out, advance the ball, or is that a, is it a thing where you've really got to get in your mind that you're going to take your medicine, you're going to make your five and move on? Well, I think if you if you're talking from the fairway, um, you know when you start getting into that primary rough, like we're going to see a Shinnecock and some of the really troubled areas. You know, even the best players who have advanced types of club head speed, you know, they're going to have to take significant loft. And, and if the lie is so severe, they're going to have to take their medicine, right? I mean, you can't advance the ball um, reasonably into consideration where you can get the ball up in an area where you can, um, you know, be, you know, be in a position where you can then get the ball up and down. So um, if, if that probability is not in your favor, where you think you can advance that ball and get into a safe spot, well, that's when you got to take the medicine and you've got to take a higher lofted club and get it back out and play. So now you have a better opportunity from your third shot. I think, you know, minimizing the damage is what professional golfers do very, very well. 
right? They may hit a bad tee shot, but you're not going to see a decision that leads to then another bad shot where they compound the error. It happens from time to time. But usually, you know, the second shot, Chris, then starts to become a situation where, okay, let's make a good decision here out of the rough and get ourselves back in position to give ourselves the best chance and the best probability of the third shot. And I think with amateurs, we don't go through that kind of dialogue internally where we would assess it. We're going to take too little of lop. We're going to try to advance it too much. And then the ball only travels another 15 yards, but it's still in the fescue. It's still on that deep rough. So you have to minimize damage. I think sometimes take the medicine, right, play conservatively and get the ball back out and play where you can do something with your third shot. To take that a step further, Travis, is that something you teach when you're playing, you know, when you're giving instruction, whether it's to a class or an individual, really about, you know, not not just the mental side of the game, but really the strategic side? Like, look, you know, here you are, you're you're in the deep rough. What what are you thinking here? Oh, I'm thinking I'm going to try. You know, I'm 150 yards away, or I'm 180 yards away. I'm I'm going to try my five iron. Well, you know what? Five iron's not going to get you out here. The better play is this. Do you do you work with your t- uh, with, with your students to try to you know strategize their way around a golf a golf course and you know, like we said a moment ago, take their medicine when you've got to do it and then go attack another hole. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. When you're when you're out there you know, with your students, you're, you're constantly uh, trying to create a situation where you don't just overtake the decision-making. You, you try to put your, your student in a position where, you know, wh- what would they do here, right? Let them, let them get to the ball. Let them approach it in a way that if I wasn't standing there and then hit that shot and then, and then come in and offer the advice, right, and offer the counsel based off of how they would go about it if, if they were in a tournament and we were not out there in a playing lesson. So I think it's always good, always good to put students in real situations. It's important to get on the golf course. It's important to see what changes on the golf course versus the time that you're spending uh, at the practice facility, not only from a technique standpoint, but what is happening from a decision-making standpoint, from a course management standpoint, and what kind of direction can you give that student based upon what you know about their skill sets, what shots they're capable of hitting to make the appropriate decisions, especially in situations like we're discussing, which is in the rough, because it's going to happen. No one hits every fairway. We're going to get the ball in the rough. There's courses that amateurs play that have severe rough, and um, I think it's important that you minimize the damage and get back out and play. Travis, you you've posted some some really nice thoughts about Bryson DeChambeau and his technique. I think you're a fan of guys that do it differently, unconventionally, and and have success. And I was curious on on your thoughts on on Bryson's technique. You know, is the single club length in in the way that he goes about hitting the ball is that something we should consider, or is that just something we should marvel at because it is different and he has been so successful using it? Well, I marvel at it. I, I think. You know, especially in today's age, Chris, it's easy to, you know, really be affected by, you know, what other people are thinking in today's social media world. And, you know, I think Bryson is very confident in, in himself and in what he's doing. And and he's been like that since, you know, he was in college. You know, when he won the NCAA, I think people took him seriously then, but I don't think they really 
put him in a position um, where he was going to be as successful as he has been on the PGA Tour. And I've been big on him since he's come out. I've always liked his game. I think he is sneaky long off the tee. I think he's an excellent iron player. Um, I, the question always has been, can he settle in and be a better than average putter and around the greens? And I think he's been able to do that. I think he's really settled in nicely now with his technique. So, you know, his, his approach to the full swing really, you know, it comes from the golfing machine, which is, you know, an old instructional book. It was, it was kind of the attempt to look at the geometry and a bit of science before we had all the technology that we have today. Homer Kelly um, was a deep thinker and I think had a lot of things right. And, you know, one of the things that he always talked about in his book was, you know, setting up in what was called an impact fix position, which really means that you kind of unhinge that lead wrist. When you look at Bryson, he takes that lead wrist, he unhinges it a little bit, and then almost like he was putting, and then he takes that right forearm and he lines the forearm up on the same angle of the shaft. And, and to do that, you've got to stand fairly upright, uh, almost a bit like Mo Norman, who was also, um, you know, motivated by some of the teachings of the golf machine. So the impact fix position, unhinging that lead wrist, lining up the right form, standing the shaft a little more upright, really allows that shaft to return on that same exact angle. You can imagine if you set the shaft very low, you know, and then come into impact, that shaft would raise, right? We see the shaft raise at impact. Well, impact fix, it takes that raise of the shaft out or the rise of the shaft out, and it it really, in some regards, you can kind of argue, simplifies um, you know, some of the movements that are happening through impact. The club face stays, you know, very square to the arc, and and he's mastered it. Now, he's taken it, I think, to a bit of an extreme with, with the single shaft in the irons and really matching that up, and he's proven it to work. And I, and I have a lot of respect for people who, you know, really believe in what they're doing, and, and they really put it out there, and he's done it at a very high level. The winning the memorial is a big win, and I, I would not – put it past him uh, to be right up there on the leaderboard here at the U.S. Open come Sunday. One of the other guys that we've grown accustomed to seeing at the tops of leaderboards and majors is Jordan Spieth. And, and uh, guy, he's been kind of quiet this year so far, Travis, outside of the, the Sunday run at the Masters. Um, and I think it's been mostly due to his putting. Is is a, is a place like Shinnecock or a place like a major, is that a place where you can kind of pull it back together? Can you get yourself right at a major, or is that not the place that you would expect to see a guy who's been struggling with whatever aspect of a game, whether it's Jordan with his putter or something else, to be able to get it back together and get themselves back on a leaderboard? I, I would think not. You know, I would think that this is probably not the venue to – you know, look as a stepping stone to get, you know, your putting back in, in track. I mean, this is something that Jordan's been through before in his career, you know, and struggling with putting, maybe not quite, you know, to this level when it's your job as a professional out of the PGA Tour, considering the expectations that he has, um, you know, obviously a very successful champion already now with three major championships. You know, this has been a big fall. You know, you're, you're talking about, a player who um, was one of the best putters on tour, certainly probably the best from mid-range putting. I mean, it was incredible the run that he was on, um, 
you know, from 10 to 15 feet. And now you're seeing someone statistically that is at the bottom of the PGA Tour. I mean, he is in that 200 uh, number range now, which is the bottom of the PGA Tour strokes gain from putting. So this is a big fall. And, uh, you know, his confidence has definitely taken a hit. Um, it really hasn't gotten any better. I'm always one for patience and kind of ride things out. But I really do think now we're in a situation with Jordan Spieth where I think post-U.S. Open, um, you know, this start and another, if we don't see some, you know, improvement here in Jordan Spieth, I, I think we're going to see some changes. And, and I think he's going to have to kind of rock the boat a little bit mentally from a technique standpoint to really kind of create a new chapter, a new beginning that he can kind of build off of because uh, this has been a, a major, major fall statistically for putting in, in Jordan Spieth. And to that end, Travis, have you seen somebody go through that big of a, a fall from where they were? And, and when that when that happens, what, where where does it fall apart? How do you go from, to your point, one of the guys that, you know, I think we, we would go back to 2015, 2016, even winning the uh, the Open Championship last year. I think we'd all say, from look, from 15 feet, this guy's money almost every time. And now, even from a couple of feet, you're sort of worried about if he's going to make a two-footer. How do you fall that far? Yeah, it well, it you know, you have to kind of ask yourself, is this can this be fixed technically? Is this a technical thing, or is this now completely you know, gone to a complete mental standpoint. And and I think, you know, Jordan, many have labeled him that he, he has the yips now in putting. And it's hard for me to say that word and label a player with the yips. But I think he has become, you know, he, he has now butted up to that situation where when you're when you're missing the hole from two or three feet, that has now become a, a mental state, right? I mean, this that is no longer a small technical thing as he has labeled it as he had the shaft too far forward, his shoulders were opening, he was hitting down on it too much. I mean, those are, in his words, some of the technical things that they had to clean up. Well, you know, you don't miss the hole from two feet, three feet consistently, um, you know, from time to time when when that's the case. So I think we're we're kind of past the technical small adjustment standpoint, and we're really now, we have to blow it up and do something completely different as we've seen from players. And the name that comes to mind for me, Chris, is Justin Rose. I mean, you know, this is a guy now that really was, you know, statistically, as I recall, in the hundred and, you know, 20th, 130th mark, you know, the bottom third of the PGA tour and putting, we always have known he's a great ball striker, but now Justin Rose over the last uh over the last five or six months statistically is in the top twenty. You know, so he has now become one of the better putters on the PGA tour. So we've seen players, you know, kind of teach themselves how to putt. Now can he sustain that? Well we'll have to see, right? He wasn't born a great putter. So it it can happen. You know, he, he can work through it. I don't think this is I'm not ready to say this is a, a career ender for Jordan Speed, but some changes are going to have to be made, and, and I think he's going to have to to really rock the boat to to really turn the page mentally and have no history of anything of what he's currently going to be doing, which I would say has to change here 
in the next couple of starts if it doesn't get any better. And Travis, talking about guys who needed to change some things, we talked about this a little bit earlier this year when you joined me, but you had tweeted out that you thought Keegan Bradley would win again before Phil or Tiger would, and we know Phil won earlier this year. But your prediction isn't that far off because Keegan Bradley has certainly had a resurgence this year. He's got four top tens, including a seventh-place finish at the players, thanks to a final round, 66. Talk about what, what you're seeing in his game and, and what has he changed in order to come from a guy who was a major champion but then we sort of lost him for quite a while, and now he seems to be coming back to the top of his game. Well, I think like Webb Simpson, um, you know, he, he had to kind of reteach himself from the very fundamental stage how to putt. I mean, these are two guys that, you know, grew up with belly putting. I mean, that that was an option, you know, and that's how they taught themselves how to putt. So, you know, when when you take that away and now all of a sudden you can't anchor that point, you know, you have to kind of reteach everything. You have to you have to reteach how to move the putter head. You have to reteach how to, you know, kind of manage the face angle through impact. And because the release isn't going to be the way that he knew it when it was belly putting. So there's just so many little things that I think he had to kind of reteach himself and I can only imagine what kind of mental grind that had to be, right? Because Keegan Bradley is one of the better ball strikers on the PGA Tour. And this is a guy that can hit the golf ball long and straight. When we talk about taking advantage of length off the tee, if Keegan Bradley was a consistent, uh, you know, top third putter on the PGA Tour, he would be winning a couple times a year. We would be talking about him a lot. So I, I've seen some confidence resurface with Keegan, statistically slowly getting better. Um, you can see it in his step. You can see it um, in the way that he's playing the game, that things are moving in the right direction. And I expect him to get into the winner's circle. Uh, Webb Simpson, you know, going back to your previous question, you know, Webb is another player statistically that has gotten better, you know, with the flat stick and he's had to reteach himself. So, you know, it's been cool to see some of these stories that are not discussed a lot in the main, you know, in the mainstream media. But, you know, these are guys that are grinding um, and, and, and trying to, you know, get that one club that's kind of holding them back which is the putter with Keegan Bradley. And um, if he can continue to go where he's going and continue to build on the success that he's having, he, he's going to win again on the PGA Tour. I have no question about it. Travis, just a couple of quick ones before we yeah. let you go. And I need to get a, a, uh, a tip from you, a playing lesson that can help all of us. And I'm going to be selfish here because it's a shot that I know that I struggle with. So 30, 40 yards off the green. Right, you got a, a sand trap in front of the green, maybe a pond in front of the green. You know it's it's just a it's just a sand, whether it's a sand wedge or it's a lob wedge to get it over. But more times than not, we either chunk it into the water or into the bunker, or we scull it across the green. How do we hit a better, more consistent shot? Just getting over whatever that obstacle is between us and the green, and give ourselves an opportunity, whether it's for par or birdie. Yeah, that's a you know that's a really good question and in an area of the game that when you teach someone to get better at this part, you 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 oftentimes have a student for life because this is the gray area, right? It's not that little bump and run, and it's not the full pitch shot from 80 yards. It's that little 
half shot, a shot that I learned a lot from Todd Sones, one of the top 50 teachers in the game. He called it a toss shot, T-O-S-S. And I thought he had a really clever way of describing it. You know, if you were to toss a ball, you you imagine your right hand and you had had a little golf ball in your hand, you would just swing your arm back, fold your elbow, and then from there you would turn and toss the ball underhand. What you wouldn't do is you wouldn't turn going back, right? If I was going to toss it, I wouldn't turn my shoulders and hips back. Now, if I was going to throw it, I would, right? I would turn my shoulders and hips, probably lift my lead foot up, take a step, and then I would throw it, and I'd have a lot more velocity. But if I was to toss it, I would just swing my arms back, hinge my elbow and wrist, and then turn my chest and throw it underhand. And I think that's how you got to approach those 30-yard shots. You know, set the face maybe a little open. Set the shaft slightly forward. Don't get too crazy with forward shaft lean. Get your sternum, your top button over the ball, and then toss it. Swing your arms, hinge your wrist. Don't don't load up. Don't wind up, per se. Just arm swing with the hinge, and then turn your chest through. And I think that countered with the setup characteristics. The club head can fall. It'll bump the ground. It'll shallow out. And as long as you're turning your chest through, you know, you should see this nice medium range type of shot that has some spin on it. Travis, let our listeners know, because you do your own show, The Stripe Show, which airs yeah. on Facebook Live, and uh, you're doing it also with eighteen with the 18 Birdies app. Talk about your show. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. It's, uh, it's, it's a brand new show. We've, we're, we just launched our 14th episode uh, every Tuesday. Uh, the new one posted posts on 18 Birdies Facebook Live, um, and then also it posts in the 18 Birdies app, which is a terrific app that you can that has all kinds of cool tools uh, to help you navigate the golf course. But yeah, the Stripe Show, um, you know, it's an instruction show. Um, it uh, it's a little bit different. We uh, we we shoot the show completely on the golf course. We we've moved it around a little bit from time to time. I heard you talking about PGA Tour Superstores ahead of time. We actually. Um, did the show live from PGA Tour Superstore in Jacksonville celebrating Women's uh, Golf Day last week. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, we take the show primarily uh, to the golf course. And, and we uh, we do a lot of individual lessons where people are sending in videos, uh, emailing us their swings uh, to the Stripe Show at 18birdies.com. And we do in full analysis. We're doing full game plan on those swings. Um, some heavier lifting segments from driving to iron play to short game to putting. And then we're having some really cool guests, some of the top teachers in the game. I'm bringing them on and having them share insights. So it's a, it's a fun show. It's an approachable show. And um, we're, uh, we're really happy with where it's at and, and where it's going. Travis, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with uh, all the things you're doing, whether it's uh, on your website or uh, out on social media as well. Yeah, yeah. My website, uh, travisfultongolf.com. Check it out. All kinds of stuff there. And then, um, you know, very active on Instagram, uh, at Travis Fulton Golf and Twitter at Travis Fulton. Well, Travis, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to uh, come back and be a part of the show. Always have so much fun when, uh, when you're a part of this segment. Thank you for doing so. And I hope you'll come back and do it again real soon. Anytime, Chris. Enjoy the show. Thank you. All right. Take care, Travis. All the best to you and your family. 
That is Travis Fulton. Again, TravisFultonGolf.com and his show. It's The Stripe Show. You can find it on Facebook Live, and there are links to it on his uh, website as well. And, uh, boy, you know, the, the, op- the opportunity to spend some time with Travis, A, getting his insights for what's going on, you know, out on tour, but also getting a, a, a great nugget like that on a tip is uh, priceless. So hopefully we get the opportunity to have Travis back on the show again real soon.